Rewind. Your Week in Review is sponsored by the Wisconsin Realtors Association. Bringing Wisconsin communities to life with great homes, businesses, and neighborhoods. The Wisconsin Realtors Association, the voice of real estate. This program is brought to you from Wisconsin Eye's Margaret Farrow Studio. This week on Rewind, your week in review. Governor Ebers sues Republicans over blocking pay raises to UW employees. Coming up, we tell you why his legal challenge could have broader implications. Plus, days after a group launch ads threatening to oust Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, the GOP leader advances articles of impeachment. And we look ahead to next week's session as lawmakers return to the floor. All this and more on Rewind, your week in review for November 3rd. Hi, I'm Emily Fannin. And I'm J.R. Ross. We're going to start this week with Governor Tony Evers' final lawsuit against several Republican lawmakers about kind of three actions that they have taken um, over the last several months. Let's start with one. It challenges Republicans, a Republican-led committee, I should clarify, for blocking pay raises for UW employees. It also uh, targets Republicans for rejecting a series of conservation projects and ethical standards for state-licensed therapists and social workers. Now, his challenge argues that the GOP controlled legislature is, quote, unconstitutionally and unlawfully obstructing basic government functions. Looking specifically at the UW pay raises, which was approved in the state budget, they were already approved. And when Republican lawmakers took up this issue two weeks ago, they approved all other state employees and their pay raises, but not UW workers. So that's what's kind of the big, I guess, headline that has been in the news lately. But Evers is also going after 27 conservation projects and the Knowles-Nelson uh, Stewardship Pro Program. Also, like I said, kind of some ethical standards when it comes to the state licensing agency when it hands over to social workers, marriage and family therapists, etc. Um, first, let's just take a listen to what Governor Tony Evers had to say about this lawsuit when he filed it earlier this week. Let's take a listen. The Republicans decided that 35,000 people that work for the UW system shouldn't get a raise without having any legislation that that gives them that authority. You can't do that. And so that's why we made this, that's why we're suing, and uh, that's why we're gonna win. So looking at the nuts and bolts of this lawsuit, JR, this issue um, that he's addressing in the lawsuit has been addressed before in the state Supreme Court. Yeah, there's 31 years ago. And so remember, this is partly about the initiative rules process, so remember, when laws are passed, sometimes agencies have to fill in the blanks of how they're going to be applied, or if they're given authority to enforce certain things, like the Department of Natural Resources with water quality, they have to enact rules that say how far, that, what the standards are going to be. So the Supreme Court back in 1992 uh, took up a case about administrative rules and the Joint Committee for Administrative Rules process where it can suspend a rule. The court back then, though, found that it upheld that power, but it assumed in that decision that lawmakers would introduce a bill shortly after the temporary suspension of the rule to make it permanent. And that bill would have to go through both houses and the governor for a signature. Things have changed since then. One, we don't see <laughs> bills introduced quickly after suspension go through both houses. Two, in 2017, Republicans changed state law with the RAINS Act, they call it, to allow them to do multiple suspensions of a rule through the committee process. And essentially what this is, according to Evers, is a legislative veto. That there's no way to appeal this, there's no like 
other body that can come in and, and overrule legislature or with the Joint Community Employment Relations, JOKER we call it. When that refu they refuse to take up the UW pay raises, there's no appeal. There's no bill that goes through both houses, no vote by everybody. It's a committee of eight people that decides if you get pay raise because the budget funds the pay raises, but then JOKER has to implement them months later. And this process really was more about union contracts years ago, which we don't have many left because of Act 10 under Scott Walker, but that's the way it's always been done. I've been here for a long time. This is the way it's always been done. But Democrats will argue that they've abused the process, the point that it now is obstruction, not oversight. And specifically with these pay raises is all part of an ongoing fight that Speaker Voss has had with diversity, equity, and inclusion programs at the universities of Wisconsin. For many, many months now, he said, as long as you do not cut $32 million in programming and other efforts, 188 staffing positions related to DEI, you are not getting these pay raises. Now, Voss has said that he's tried to talk to President UW System President um, Rothman about this. Seems like they're not really getting anywhere, but that's kind of the crust of this argument um, that has been going on. So how did Voss respond to this? In his statement, uh, he claimed that Governor Evers' lawsuit is not only going to target UW employee pay raises, he, he believes it's actually going to upend all the pay raises that were approved. Now, Governor Evers uh, says basically that's BS, that's not what we're targeting in this lawsuit. But when you look at Evers' Evers suit, it is narrow in scope. It's mm -hmm. looking at those three committee actions specifically, but it could have much broader implications. I spoke, I spoke to a UW-Madison uh, political science and legal expert about this because we're talking about could this possibly then upend many more uh, committee actions taken by lawmakers, some that are controversial too. I mean, when you're looking at the Administrative Rules Committee, it wasn't too long ago that they suspended a rule by DHS that would block seventh graders from getting the meningitis vaccine. Then you're looking at uh, conversion therapy. There was another committee. Conversion therapy is um, uh, allowing now, which is in effect, allowing uh, therapists, counselors to try and change a person's sexual orientation. Those are probably the big two controversial ones that could be put in question. But you're talking about possibly dozens and hundreds of committee actions that could be challenged because of the scope of the lawsuit. And what the UW-Madison uh, professor told me, and his name is Howard Schwaber, he looked back at historically different lawsuits. Specifically when the U.S. Supreme Court took this up, um, it was also challenging legislative vetoes. Um, and it was about a separation powers issue. But the court, while they ruled that unconstitutional, they did not go after numerous federal statutes. Mm -hmm. But that is still just something that's on the table that could happen. I mean, Evers also names other states that have successfully done similar lawsuits and challenging legislative vetoes. They have been successful as well, but they have also kept it very narrow when it came down to the final decision. But Republicans are going to argue, I mean, this is a much bigger uh, a case that could have broader implications. There could be a much more on the table at and, risk. And ramifications. So mm -hmm. let's say, let's just theorize that the Supreme Court liberal majority rules for Tony Evers and finds that the Joint Committee on Finance can no longer review stewardship purchases, which are conservation efforts, uh, money from the state to buy property around the state or buy easements. Republicans would say, we're killing the program. They would say, if we can't review these projects anymore, we're not going to let them out the door, period. That would be the end. That would be their answer or response to that. And then, two, for UW employees, you know, Robin has said, cut DEI or you're not getting another nickel. Now, he offered this kind of like other option during a Joker meeting, which was, well, if you give us back 
approval of position authority with the UW, we'll talk about pay raises. Basically what that means is right now the system has its own authority. They create their own positions. They don't have to ask for new jobs with the legislature or get approval. They can say, we need this many jobs, we're going to approve them. If you gave lawmakers back that power, they could in theory go in with a willing governor, go in and like nitpick at like various departments and say, we don't want you to have this, or we don't want you to have that job. So that's not a very appealing option. But with the pay raises, you know, if there was any hope of a legislative solution, some kind of agreement, that's gone. Because Republicans are telling me that if they were to um, approve the pay raises now, it would be a sign the court that they're afraid of losing. So what's your incentive as a lawmaker to, okay, we're going to let these pay raises go through while this is pending. So Evers may win months from now, but it probably ends any talks about passing those pay raises through Joker. Right. And what else could be at risk is definitely something we're likely to hear from Republicans uh, and their lawyers to argue in court. And you also just have to state that they have long had these powers Mm -hmm. to suspend rules, to have, I mean, we're talking about some of the most powerful committees in the state legislature that have long had the ability to do these things. Um, And it just will raise a lot of questions, I think, going forward. Um, Staying on the topic of Speaker Voss, there was a new ad that started uh, airing this week, uh, primarily in the Milwaukee market, and it targets uh, Voss uh, for, I guess I should start for at least not referring articles of impeachment against Megan Wolf, and it threatened him that, hey, we're going to oust you if you don't. But on Thursday, Voss did assign that uh, impeachment article to a committee hearing. So now this six-figure campaign ad is going to change slightly on what is said in it. But this just speaks broader to these are the group of individuals who have long targeted Robin Voss. Mm -hmm. They have wanted to try to, I mean, he had the primary challenger, Adam Steen, um, in that primary election, too. He narrowly um, defeated him. So these are the same group of people that say, you're still not doing enough to investigate the 2020 election. We want you out of here. So looking at the FCC filings, um, Federal Communications, um, from this group, Wisconsin Election Committee, WAC, just like like the Wisconsin Election Commission. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But Adam Steen is one of the officers, as well as Harry Waite. Harry Waite is the conservative activist who illegally requested Robin Voss's absentee ballot, remember last fall, to try and prove is a, is a flaw in the system. So they are saying that they're going to spend $100,000 a week until Robin Voss either allows a vote on uh, impeaching Megan Wolf or he's recalled or loses in a primary. Now, let's do some math. We have 42 weeks, I counted today, until from the day this ad began until the August primary. Do you think they can raise $4.2 million to keep up this kind of pressure for 42 weeks? People I talk to don't. So there's that kind of question. Like how serious are these guys and what they're going to do? But looking with the resolution, Janelle Branchin and four other Republicans introduced it six weeks ago. It took six weeks to refer it to committee. Now, technically in the Assembly, you have 10 business days to refer, to give a resolution or a bill, a number, and then refer it to committee. There's not really an enforcement mechanism for that rule. So it happens all the time where it is ignored. Branchin on Tuesday said, hey, this hasn't been referred I want to know what's going on. I think Robin or the assembly leadership is trying to kind of delay this. Okay, so now we're in uh, committee. What will happen now? David Steffen from Green Bay is the chair of this committee. Um, I've been asking his office whether they plan to have a hearing on it or a vote. have not heard back yet. Um, it gives him an interesting topic to have in his committee. 
But Branchon's on that committee as well. Very good point. But there's also a lawsuit pending right now that last Friday after we taped, as often happens, there was news. <laughs> a Dane County judge ruled get a temporary injunction that lawmakers cannot remove Megan Wolf while she's considering the final merits of this lawsuit from uh, Attorney General Josh Call to keep from the job. Now, in that loss, that order, I read it a couple of times after what happened this week, it mentions the Joint Committee Legislative Organization, for example, can't go in and appoint an interim. The vote in September to fire Megan Wolf has no legal effect. It doesn't contemplate impeachment. So I don't know if the directive, you guys can't try to remove Megan Wolf while I'm considering the final merits of this case, applies to impeachment. There would have to probably be some more legal briefs to flush that issue out. But Robin, in a statement, said, the people who are doing this don't understand what's going on. We're going to wait for the court to act first. So that is at least a safeguard for him, possibly, that we're not going anywhere because they don't want to do this. Uh, the articles of impeachment are full of falsehoods about what happened with Megan Wolf and what she did in 2020. But this is just more pressure on him. And I, in asking, was there a, a link between this ad and the movement, I've been told by people, no. Yeah, it just I've happened to be thing. that... It's just a very odd timing and a coincidence, I guess you could say, in politics. A bad <laughs> coincidence for Voss, perception-wise, yeah. but it's been 170 years since our last impeachment in Wisconsin. Was, yeah. They're trying to figure out, well, do you have to do a special tribunal or like appoint some kind of special commission to take this up? And they figured out no, and just it just took a while to get it through. So now it's in committee. Whether it will move, I people have their doubts. And that also speaks volume to this big word of impeachment. Mm -hmm. We've been hearing it a lot for uh, liberal justice, Janet Protosiewicz. We've been hearing about it, but Megan Wolf. But it's we haven't seen it in so many years here in Wisconsin. That's what's all these technical if, ands, and buts of what will happen with this. Because um, you bring up a very good point with the temporary injunction on Friday. It said you cannot remove or appoint anyone else. Megan can stay in that job as of right now. Um, but what about impeachment? That does raise a very good question on what could happen. Oh, but, and how do you impeach somebody you don't think is legally in the job? Exactly. <laughs> right. And they said they had no legal authority to do it, even though for many, many weeks we know GOP leader, Senate Majority Leader Devin, uh, uh, Devin Lemicue and Speaker Voss were saying, no, no, this is totally fine. We have the authority to do this. Well, he even stated, too, in, in that brief that he's trying to remove himself. He also then admitted, even though he's not admitting to reporters, <laughs> um, that he had no power to. So this is definitely a discussion that will continue. But whether that committee will act on it, I think we're all going to be waiting for those emails that refresh when there's new a committee public hearing on bills. We'll see if this actually gets one or not. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to the topic, also staying on elections. Um, there was another uh, assembly committee uh, hearing this week on a series of election bills. I know the past several weeks, JR, we've been talking about a lot of them. I'm kind of bringing forth some that we've talked about before, but some others that are kind of new that we haven't talked on the show before. The first one that many people are familiar with it would allow clerks to process absentee ballots the Monday before an election. Uh, another bill would uh, have election observers be placed at a maximum of three, three feet away from voters. Another bill would notify families whose relatives intend on voting with a special voting deputies in nursing home. They would have to know if that's happening. And that comes from uh, the 2020 election when special voting deputies were not allowed in nursing homes. And there was a lot of conspiracy theories that led to voter fraud. Uh, another proposal would cap the maximum age for the state, a state Supreme Court justice to be at the age of 75. Going back to processing ballots, uh, the Monday before election, because this is a bipartisan bill. Um, a lot of people want to see this get across the finish line. But we heard from a lot of clerks 
during uh, the public hearing that really want to be able to feed the ballots through a machine that can start counting them and, or processing them, I should say. Um, but some Republicans still have problems with that. They believe that could still lead to some possible irregularities. Um, let's hear from the Milwaukee uh, uh, city clerk uh, about this issue and her kind of talking about kind of the pros and cons in the bill. We have invested significant staff and resources, yet in 2016, we were unable to complete processing of absentee ballots until 1.30 a.m. In 2018, we were not complete until after midnight. And in 2020, where we saw unprecedented volume, but also unprecedented staffing and machine resources, we had over 400 staff present and 13 machines. We finished at 3.30 in the morning. If we're able to open ballots the day before, that is a longer time period that ballots are able to sit on a table and flatten from being folded three or four times, which might sound ridiculous, but sometimes when we hear testimony about sending people home at 1030, it's because we were done opening the ballots, it's that we were encountering jams in the machine. Uh, also, another bill I want to talk about, it would require a special election uh, to be held if the state of the uh, Secretary of State, uh, State Treasurer, Attorney General vacates office during the first uh, three years of their term. And this specifically comes from Republicans kind of being a little frustrated mm -hmm. with how Sarah Godlewski was appointed to um, the Secretary of State's office, um, or excuse me, yeah, Secretary of State's office. She was a former state treasurer um, to that uh, office um, after um, uh, Doug LaFollette left, probably only after a few weeks of serving his new months, term. Yep. Yeah. And we saw the yeah. tentative calendar for the assembly for Thursday next week. It is election central. Also have on that calendar the bill to make the brandy old-fashioned, the Wisconsin cocktail. Uh, but they're trying to knock out a theme next Thursday of elections, elections, elections. And we'll get to Tuesday's theme in a little bit. Uh, all right, this week also Democrats proposed a series of bills. There was actually 15 in this package that seek to address uh, conditions at our state prisons. Now this comes as there's been heightened scrutiny following a series of inmate deaths and suicides. Um, so the package of bills, um, there's quite a lot in there, but kind of summarizing most of them seems to increase inmates' access to things like hygiene products, recreation, the outdoors, and communication with family and friends, among many other proposals that seek to address oversight concerns that many Democrats and uh, criminal justice advocates talked about at this press conference on Thursday. You know, when we hear from DOC officials um, about the lockdowns that are happening right now at Waupun, uh, Stanley, um, Green Bay Prison, they first don't even like to call them lockdowns, but uh, the problem here is they say is staffing issues. Um, when I asked some of the bill sponsors, I said, well, if it's a staffing issue, none of these bills really do much to address staffing and trying to, you know, say increase pay or incentivize more people to work there. Um, but Democrats' longstanding argument is, yes, it can be staffing, but we also need to stop incarcerating individuals what they say shouldn't be there with low-level offenses. So that would help deal with some of the overcrowding issues that are happening. Um, that point was also touched on by Senator LaTanya Johnson, who is an author of some of these proposals. Let's just take a listen to what she had to say about what some say is kind of a crisis that's going on in some of these facilities. We have a roadmap map that's technically from Governor Evers' administration. However, we failed to act. So this legislation will help that. 
we all want the criminal justice system to be as humane as possible because that's the only way to reduce recidivism. And right now we're failing. And so to make sure that our prisons aren't overcrowded, especially with those individuals that should not be there, is of utmost importance. I talked to Republican Representative Michael Schra, who is the Assembly Chairman of the Corrections Committee, and he basically said, I was disappointed Democrats didn't come to me um, and, you know, want to work with me on these proposals. You know, it was kind of a stunt that they had this press conference without inviting me. You know, I also challenged him on that because Republicans also do that too, right? It's politics. They don't really often reach across the aisle before they have these press conferences. But he's talking bottom line is that some of these bills may be of interest to him, but the overall package is going to be a big overhaul to get Republican support on these. Yeah, and look, part of the solution is to find staff. Without staff, there's a safety problem. Uh, Waupon, for example, is a prison that dates to the 1800s. If you don't have enough staff, you can't move people safely in that prison. That's just kind of a fact of life. We are looking at uh, vacancy rates for prison guards at the facilities. They are not great for maximum security ones. Lower, lower security prisons are okay, but we just had a budget passed this summer that included these big pay boosts for prison guards. It's taken time to work. That may be your best option to fix it. But the challenge remains the same. We have a, a baby boomer generation that is bigger than the other ones behind it that's retiring. Same goes for prison guards. They can retire at f in their mid-50s, right? Protected class. They are moving out of the system. They're serving there since the 90s and 80s. They're leaving. There are enough people behind them to come take those jobs. They also go work at Walmart, a distribution center, or somewhere else in a safer more. environment and mm -hmm. make more money. Mm -hmm. It is not a great situation. And without the staff, you can't run the prisons or properly. But by the way, uh, we talk about things like letting people out earlier, like Democrats are talking about. Governor Evers ran on a platform of reducing the prison population. Republicans are not going to go along with that. There was this brief moment under President Trump where there was talk about kind of prison reform and things like that. He signed some uh, overhauled, that moment has passed, right? With the crimes that we saw in 2020, things picked up, that's not going to happen. Another solution would be to build a new prison, to take Waupon and Green Bay, people tell me, which are antiquated, which you could build a new prison to house both those populations with fewer staffers because it'd be built to modern standards, but Governor Evers will never approve building a prison because he wants to reduce the population. How do you tell your base, I'm working to reform the prison system, if you're building a new prison, we are at an impasse about that issue. Right, and it's kind of just unfortunate because there's been a lot of family members who have been frustrated because what a lockdown is, which DOC calls as a modified movement, um, th these individuals um, are in their cells sometimes almost 24 hours a day. Um, they don't really have much to do. And if you have a mental health issue, that has unfortunately led to a lot of people um, to commit suicide in, in these facilities. I mean, at Waupon in general, there has been three people that have died in the last four months. And, you know, Milwaukee is also not alone, too. Over the past 14 months, there's been six people that have died as well. Now, these are all different scenarios, some of COVID, some of it's suicide, but it just speaks to the larger issue that these family members who have want something to, to help these individuals that are in sol you know, solitary confinement on a lockdown for seven months now, they are going to have to wait for a very long time to get possible solutions on this issue. All right, let's just first quickly recap uh, the State of Judiciary address that is, of course, an address that's given by Wisconsin's Chief Justice Annette Ziegler. Uh, she gave the address and she kind of continued pushing for a lot of the same things to improve security for those who work in the courts after the legislature rejected her request for a, quote, 
branch of law enforcement. This also comes as the justice made the comments during her third State of the Judiciary address, which did not focus on any of the recent kind of turmoil that she's had with many liberals on the court who now control it for three. Any other surprises there, JR? No, one brief mention. She also went over to praise Randy Koshnick, the former director of state courts, who was fired by the four liberals. So that was kind of an interesting decision. All right, and then we're quickly just, I know we talked about uh, November 9th about being election-themed when the Assembly is back in session, but on Tuesday we're hearing the Senate will be in and also the Assembly. So we know for sure what we saw of the calendar on the Assembly on Tuesday. Um, One bill that they'll be voting on is semi-controversial. It would remove uh, universities and colleges from considering race and ethnicity when they're reviewing financial aid programs. So kind of a more of a freedom of speech issue of... uh, uh, race and ethnicity, DEI, is going to be on Tuesday. Um, as for what's on the Senate yet, we still don't know what's going to be on their calendar. Nope. But and they have the week after that to meet and then go home for the holidays. Before the holidays. So they still have a lot to get done. we got yeah. brewers we're still watching for as well. All right, we got about five minutes left, so let's get to uh, stock picks. Rising this week is small families. Yeah, so new report from Wisconsin Policy Forum. Um, the size of the average household has been declining nationally. Wisconsin has gone even faster, though and it's creating a housing problem. So if you think about it, the median age of a house built in Wisconsin, I think was in the mid 70s, okay? At that time, we were in the top 10, 15 for the size of our households. We're now toward the bottom. So you have a lot more people in single households, single member households, who can't find one bedroom apartments that are affordable. So the stock doesn't match the, the reality of our population these days, which contributes to the housing problem. All right, and mixed this week, we're going back to Speaker Voss. Uh, kind of mixed this week for a few reasons, Jar. So we, I mentioned, you know, the idea of these guys with Wisconsin Election Committee uh, f- spending four million dollars plus on Robin every week going through the primary. You know, look back in 2022, this primary challenge I've seen put up. Donald Trump was engaged. You know, was really kind of pushing it hard. Robin won by 260 votes, which was way closer than anybody thought it was going to be. So a couple of questions. One. Can they, would Steen do it again? By the way, there were some questions about how he ran his campaign that could him in legal trouble. Would they find somebody else? Would Donald Trump be engaged this time? He has his own problems to worry about. Oh, and a campaign possibly next summer to focus on. So would he be really putting the screws to Robin Voss? The bigger thing people tell me is Robin's not afraid of this effort. It's the consideration for him of what a new map might look like. And not because the Supreme Court could throw out the Republican map and approve a Democratic one that would make his district swingy. Um, if you know anything about Western Racine County, it is not very swingy. It's pretty v- ruby red. You can't find enough Democrats to make his district swingy. However, you could draw him into a district with Tyler August over in Lake Geneva, not that far away. And that's a calculation for Robin he has to consider. So go back to January. We had a, a luncheon, and Robin said he planned to run for election in 2024, which surprised some people. They kind of think he's been here for 18 years now, that the end is closer than the beginning. Well, if there's a new map and Robin's drawn into a district, and he's kind of mentioned this in an interview that he thinks he'll be targeted by activists to try and like go after him, make his life difficult. Would he run against a fellow member of the, of the caucus? And Tyler August, the majority leader, he is in basically line of succession to become the next speaker. Uh, Jim Steineke didn't seek re-election last year. Uh, he moved out. Tyler moved up. All signs are Tyler August is the next speaker of the assembly if Republicans maintain control. Uh, so that would be a tough choice for Robin to think about running against a fellow Republican in a primary to stay in the legislature, and it might be what makes him say, oh, you know, it's time to walk out the door. And following this week is the Monoc- Mon- excuse me, Monaco Brewer owner who uh, is 
going to be paying quite a bit of money in a lawsuit. Unless he wins on appeal. But yes, uh, he made a number of comments about the publisher, Lakeland Times, the paper up there up north. Like this guy, is, he's fought everybody up there. He's fought the local officials over having a beer garden at his brewery. He has filed this lawsuit the Supreme Court trying to overturn the school choice program. This case, though, has gone badly for him because he basically suggested the publisher of the paper um, contributed to his father's demise, um, called him a crook, and uh, some other not nice words. Now, when I'm watching this case, because the, the award was $750,000, the judge didn't find that the publisher was a public figure, which is a different standard for libel, remember. If you're a public figure, it's a much higher bar to get a lot be successful. So one, he's going to appeal, Kirk is. But if and when he appeals, will a judge, appeals court, agree that, yes, the publisher is not a public figure? And then two, calling somebody a crook may not be nice, but is that really liable in this right. day and age? Mm -hmm. So in each of these things that he's accused of doing and the jury found was inappropriate, they can be appealed. So you might see that award get knocked down, although he's going to be paying legal fees That's what to I, keep yeah. the appeal. It's going to be a very <laughs> expensive uh, legal fight there. All right. Well, that will do it this week. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Emily Fannin. And I'm J.R. Ross. We'll see you next week. This program was brought to you from Wisconsin Eye's Margaret Farrow Studio. Rewind. Your Week in Review is sponsored by the Wisconsin Realtors Association. Bringing Wisconsin communities to life with great homes, businesses, and neighborhoods. The Wisconsin Realtors Association, the voice of real estate.